0: Welcome once again to the Brace for Impact podcast. Today's podcast will be focused around the BattleTech Beginners Box by Catalyst Game Labs. For those of you who are used to our regular Armada content, don't worry. We will still be posting regular Armada content and podcasts. But if you're curious about the Battletech Miniatures game, stick around for a bit as we do a quick review of the rules, talk about our last battle report using the Beginner's Box, and discuss the short story, The Golden Rule. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Um, You know, our first topic of the day is going to be that rules. Uh, Sorry, it's going to be that rule set. Chandler, uh, take it away. How do you feel about it? A lot of what
1: we're going to be talking about for this podcast is... You know, the Battletech beginners box and the, the quick start rules that they've got in there. So anyway, so the Battletech uh, quick start rules is pretty simple. I, agree. I mean, I expected it to be way more complicated based on what I've heard from, from people talking about Battletech and that kind of thing. But they took a lot of the complexity out, like the heat, melee attacks, uh, mechs like falling over and that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And really simplified it to, you move, you attack, you shoot, <laughs> you shoot, you roll to hit. That's pretty much it. And once once you start getting into the game, you can really feel that kind of like lack of additional complexity. Once you start, you know, getting the movement phases down, you know how your mech moves. You, you know the modifiers. And it, it's pretty simple at that point, point. and then you can really start to feel like, oh well, really the only reason to not jump is because you don't want the additional uh, modifier to your attack, mm-hmm. or else. And, and and if you've got a high enough gunnery skill, you might as well just be jumping every round. You know, there's no reason not to. Which was the case for me. Yeah, and, and once we got through like a couple rounds, we were hopping all over the place. Um, but uh, if you haven't watched uh, the Battle Report yet, I mean, go ahead and check it out. We go through all the rules, we go through a lot of the, the sequence of play for, for this quick start game, but it's initiative phase, movement phase, weapon attack phase, uh, and it alternates between each player. But that's that's pretty much it. I mean, it's pretty simple, once you get the movement down and the, the gator sequence, which... You just go through the attack modifiers for your gunnery skill, the attacker movement, target movement, terrain modifiers, and range modifiers. It's it's pretty quick. What what did you think about the the rule set for BattleTech?
0: Yeah. So to give you like my full perspective, like the first things first, like when I was reading through it, um, the wording I thought was the most complicated part of understanding these rules. Like the way that they phrase some certain things was very strange. Um, I even think that there might have been like a typo for one of them, or just it, again, it was just difficult to like understand and parse through.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, uh-huh. the movement phase one, where it's like each time a player
0: must move a mech, the move can be not to stand. Yeah, still. like who does that? That's yeah. super weird. <laughs> um, so again, like that was the biggest like obstacle for me, which is kind of overcoming that wording. But once we started actually playing the game. It was crazy simple. and, and again, like you can kind of see where like some things were missing, like especially with melee, right? Um, just kind of like jump towards the end a little bit. like you know, you ended up losing uh, one of your arms there. Um, and then that was kind of it, right? Like you didn't really have anything that you could do after that. Yeah,
1: I had the LRMs, but I mean for for a lot of the game, we just couldn't hit each other. there were there was so much evasiveness because we were able to just run around the whole fucking board you know, without any kind of like heat limiting factors there. And so we were being super evasive. We were staying in the trees. So like I think after I put my movement modifier and my gunnery skill modifier, I was like hitting you on nines, like to start with. That's before terrain or anything. Yeah, that was and really so, crazy. And and the whole uh Simplicity or at least the, the most simple part of the rule set is that everything is 2d6. So you you wanna roll to hit, 2d6. Where do you hit 2d6? You you fire a missile volley, 2d6. That's 2D6. how many hit. It's I like that. It's too, really simple you. and I like yeah, I like it too. It, it is very consistent. Cause uh like I've I've played Warhammer before and mm. man, it's so fucking confusing, like how right, many dice I've, do you have to pick up here? How, how many yeah. dice do I have? Oh, this guy has two weapons, so it's four more dice. Uh, so everyone, for this shot, I'm rolling 27 dice. And it's like, <laughs> it's so fucking much. So I like I like that it's simple. It's just the 2d6, each weapon, simple
0: modifiers. And, and everything is, is pretty fucking easy to understand. Uh, I was also like a big fan of like the line of sight rules. Um, you know, I thought that they were very straightforward. You know, granted we didn't have that many terrain options, but it's just like, hey, you know, if the value is greater than I think three in this instance, you just you don't have a shot. Like that's it. Um, yeah, so that, that was that nice. was really cool. Uh, you know, interesting kind of mechanic where like when you trace that line of sight, if it's like you know saddling the line between two cubes the defender or sorry two hexes uh, the defender gets to choose like which bonus they get right so that's also really interesting there yeah i think i think that's pretty interesting as well also for line of sight it's it's like
1: measured center to center there's no debate there's no weird angle to it no weird angle cuz i i was a bit confused when i was going through line of sight and i was like well how do you measure the the fucking hexes you can't really Unless it's perfectly straight, you've got to do like this fucking uh, zigzag for the hexes. and it's like, no, you and the laser especially helped. Oh yeah, it would have been a little bit weird without a laser center to center. and if it overlaps any hex that's in the way,
0: those are the that's the intervening terrain, which which is really nice. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool. I think that the the differences in the mechs was really fun. I can see how the pilots are a really big deal and and play a lot to it. But because I believe your pilot skill was one worse than mine. And that changed a lot of stuff, right? Just like you were saying for you, like the hesitancy to make that jump and bring that value you have to overcome to like a nine or greater, it it really affected what you were doing on the terrain. Where for me, since I was already, since I was one greater, what reason do I have not to jump? It's just going to make us even, essentially, when it comes to that. And I all of a sudden become harder to hit. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty crazy, but I th- I think um yeah because I'm looking at the the one of the pilot cards and mm-hmm. and some of their abilities are pretty fucking cool like this one guy his ability is sand blaster when rolling on cluster hits table for a successful LRM attack uh, add the following modifiers to the roll plus four for short range three for medium range two for longer extreme range
0: oh that's fucking cool.
1: So he gets a better cluster hit roll the closer he is. I love that. I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's another one weapon specialist for PPC, apply minus two to hit when attacking with a PPC. And so, oh, like, that would have been great for you. That would have been great for me. So a, a lot of these pilot abilities can really affect the game and, and, and kind of give you an additional uniqueness for each mech. So I'm really interested to, to try those out. I think I think the next scenario that we're going to play. will each have one, you know, Mech Warrior pilot card, and an additional Mech.
0: I agree. I, so that'll like be great. A, one Ace and then one just kind of generic rookie guy. That's that'll be yeah. Great.
1: So that'll be great.
0: How did you feel about the firing
1: arcs? Firing arcs seemed pretty normal. It was just
0: the, the front three hexes. It's, it seemed pretty fine so to me um i thought like limiting isn't the right word i can't think of the one but it definitely like narrowed in a lot of what you're doing like for instance like so soon i was able to just jump out of your line of sight um it really uh emphasizes you wanting to keep your enemy at a distance yeah yeah I, I definitely felt
1: that as well like because once once you got close it made it way easy just to like Scoot around and outside of the firing arc. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a, a big part of the game. And, and probably very different when you have more mechs. Yeah, probably very different when you have more mechs. And that, was, that was another thing was how important initiative was just with a one-on-one duel. Oh, absolutely. Like if, if, you lose, if you lose it, it's like, oh, well, I, now I have to back the fuck up or he's going to jump behind me. And wreck my shit. Get a shot and, and just wreck my shit and I can't do anything. But I think that that's something that won't be as effective once more and more mechs start coming in. Definitely. I mean, probably as like the game goes on and like mechs start dying and shit. like. But at least like together. that early in the
0: game. Yeah, that early in the game. Probably, probably not quite as important. Um, and, and then, so something I just kind of want your opinion on, when it came to rolling for the hit location, how did you feel about that? It seemed Okay. It, it made it same. It, it, it made the mechs feel
1: uh, like tough. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wasn't like, oh well, because well, like if you got to choose, I would just choose the head every time. You know, and then that makes sense. you know you yeah. you take eight damage, and then your fucking pilot's dead. You know, so the randomness really helped, and and also I feel like the game kind of exudes this sense that everything is happening, like, in situ. Like, Mm -hmm. the mechs are moving and firing at the same time. That's why when they move fast or they jump, like, they get negative bonus to their shoot score. But while they're moving, they're more evasive because this is all happening all at the same time. It's not like everyone's moving and then stopping
0: and then turning and then shooting. It's all happening and occurring at the same time. So just to kind of give my two cents, um, the the rolling for location was my least favorite part of the rules. Not that I hated it, right? It was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wish there was a way that I could try to focus on, on something. So say like I am going to shoot at your head, right? Why not just increase the modifier amount and make it difficult to do that? Like, if I were to, like, rewrite it, you know, that's maybe the direction I would go. I I, I would like the ability to kind of focus on, like, that fucking arm for that super awesome cannon that you have, right? Like, I got lucky in the sense that I destroyed it. I don't know. It was just my thought on that.
1: Yeah, that's true. But also, those kinds of
0: um, locations are easier to hit anyway. Like... Like they're... but there's two of them. So you're kind of you know, if I wanted to focus on the one that has an, uh, you know, no ammo count, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's,
1: they're they're difficult. It's difficult to do that. But but my point is that um, the hit location table. It's it's from two to twelve, and on the table, the, the right arm is on there twice. The left arm is on there twice. So, and they're they're kind of easier to hit than the other things. But but I get your point. Of I want to focus on something.
0: Yeah, and that's really all that I'm saying. I'm not saying that like I hated that it broke the game for me, but as I was playing the game, that was something I was thinking about. Yeah, you really kind of want to aim the shot at, at the kind of thing that you want to get shot. Mm-hmm. Even if I have to like fucking only roll for twelves or like elevens, like I would do it. I don't know. That's just me.
1: Yeah, I agree. One of, one of the things I didn't really like was, man, it really felt difficult to hit you, even with this basic rule sheet, I felt like I got I think I hit you like two or three times. Not a lot at all. And I I I completely used like all of my weapons as much as I could, ran out of ammo with my LRMs. And so I'm like, man, what the what the fuck do you have to do to be able to hit someone? Or is it just that difficult and you just
0: need more mechs? I think that like you were at a disadvantage only having the two guns yeah i think that was it
1: i think maybe once the heat chart gets involved it, it kind of will, will assist maybe it gives like a bonus to being hit when your mech heats up that kind of thing it makes it easier to target i don't know but that it was really difficult to get a, a hit off especially the the way we were playing we were like oh, i'm in a fucking i'm in a bad situation i've lost initiative Let me me jump into the heavy
0: woods and try and get away and get out of short range. That kind of thing. You know, a lot of that, like in conjunction with you only having the two guns is I was really going out of my way to be hard to hit. You know, I feel like it was it was in my benefit to do to do so with my increased pilot skill. So like that like I think played a role. But again, I think the number one thing is like you only had those two guns. um i I had like four, right? like it I, yeah I had he, he such had a, a lot. huge disparity there. <laughs> um, so I just had so many more opportunities to hit you because I mean like once we add in heat, like what's gonna happen? I'm gonna have essentially less guns because I wouldn't be shooting all of my guns. All that's gonna do is now just make it harder for me to hit you. That's not gonna make it easier for you to hit me.
1: Yeah, but I haven't I haven't looked at the heat charts yet, so I don't even know what the modifiers. Yeah, I have no idea be. how the fuck
0: any of that works. So,
1: <laughs> and and also like we're we're using their their quick play cards, but all we're seeing like for for our mech structure is the outer layer of the armor, so we're not even playing with internal layer or crits or anything like that. So like once you once you shave off all of the, the
0: outer armor, there's a whole internal structure that you have to kill as well. So let's talk about that for a moment, just to make sure I understand correctly. So in, in this game, I blew your arm off, right? But have you, if you still had that under layer, your arm would have still existed, am I correct? Yeah. Okay. Is it just like there's only a couple of hit points on the arm? Because I feel like that the, really there just... are There are less, yeah. Okay, because I feel like they... Again, I would have to play it to give a true opinion, but I feel like having that extra layer just turns them into damage sponges. Like, does it eventually just devol- devolve into, like, us just smacking each other because we're out of ammo?
1: I mean, maybe.
0: I don't know. That's
1: that's kind of the thing that we need to get to. Yeah, I'm excited to see how that works out. But yeah, and there's, there's a whole, like, crit hit table for, for all this stuff.
0: Because yeah. I felt like you had a lot of ammo as it was, or not ammo, a lot of uh, hit points per armor section as it was. Yeah, it it did feel like I had a lot. Fair, fair. So there'll be even more, even the head as
1: well. The head has its own internal structure. But it's, it's definitely like, I would say maybe half the amount of the total health of mm-hmm. each segment is what's uh, appearing on the internal structure. So it makes, makes them sense. a little bulkier,
0: but... Um, interesting rule. I'm sure you must have seen it, though. That if you lose a leg, you can't move anymore. Now, is it, if you lose a leg, or if you lose both legs, I'll read it. If one or both of the mech's legs is destroyed, it cannot move nor make any facing changes for the rest of the game. Ooh, like Damn. could you fucking imagine? You're just, especially like one on one. Okay, I'm just gonna stand behind you and unload into your skull. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I, I, I guess that would be like how this last game turned out, where we, it's just a surrender at that point. If it's just mm-hmm. a one-on-one, you know, and
0: just move on. Because, I mean, the game's over at that point. Yeah. Well, I guess it kind of fits in with the lore a little bit, right? Because, like, the idea of these being, like, knights or, like, mercenaries, it's like, oh, you know, if I'm going to die, let me surrender and live, mm-hmm. you know, to fight another day, as opposed to anything else. So, I think it's And it just stand there ways. and let them pummel on you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that makes sense. And there's probably like, you know, like a ransom system, right? Like that's how like, uh, night ships would work. You would capture them and you would ransom them back to their owners. Yeah. Um, something like, or, or like, I mean, we were playing pretty
1: close to each other, but like if your leg gets blown off and you're like 20 hexes away, maybe keep trying to shoot and kill the guy that's coming after you. But you know, after a while they get behind
0: you and that's it. you Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially like not having a, the ability to do a facing change, I think is, is that that a really ideal. screws it over. Yeah, yeah. So I I think I touched on all of the rules that I kind of you know that were highlight points for me there. Um, you know, with the exception of I really like the damage recording sheet, so you kind of tick off those boxes. Like that is probably one of my favorite damage tracking mechanisms. That that um, was really satisfying for some reason. Like, especially seeing you check yours off, that was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> when I
1: finally got a hit on it, it was like, yeah. you know, it, it definitely felt different than just putting like a, dice a die next to it. number on next to my my thing. I, I want to call them ships, but they're not ships. They're fucking. <laughs> I'm playing well, so much armada. Overcome that. Like, yeah, it it felt really cool. And also, it was super enjoyable to put it up on on the battle report. The, the little armor diagrams with with the armor and the color and everything like that was super fun.
0: I think you did such a really good job with the, uh, just everything on that video. Uh, I told you I really liked the arcs, how some of them were were an arc. And then uh, some of the line of sight things were like a straight line for when we were shooting each other. Like that was fucking cool for me. That was like ESPN level. Um, But actually something that I'm interested in watching. Uh, So just awesome job, man. Those lines and, and the arcs were actually like really fucking easy to do.
1: Don't tell for, anyone about that. Just no. take the credit. <laughs> they were they were easy, um, but yeah, I I think it's gonna help like while people are watching, especially like the the tags for each mech, you know, just to keep track of everything that's going around, and especially like when pilots start coming up and they've got their extra shit. It, it just helps spread out all the information instead of just
0: putting it all on those little screens that I was popping up every time. It's gonna be really handy when we have multiple mechs as well. I'm excited to kind of see exactly. that. Yeah. So let's go ahead. Let's talk about that battle report a little bit. I know that we we were kind of merging the two here, right? Talking about the rules as it pertains yeah. to our match. Yeah. It, well, it's kind of difficult to like separate them when we've played one game. Yeah,
1: that is our one experience with it. it, it yeah, it's like our only experience of going through the rules. I mean, I sat my girlfriend down and and made her suffer as we played like a mock match before you came over but i I just wanted to get like that familiarization with moving the mechs and rolling the dice just so i have like an idea because you can only get so much from reading the rules and you don't really know how it all plays out until you start putting mechs on the battlefield you know
0: definitely uh to kind of lead off that conversation though Um, something I did want to touch on in relation to that battle report, we were all over the map. And I thought that was so cool. Especially, you know, playing like Armada and stuff like that, where you kind of tend to stay in a three by six, like using, even though it was a smaller field, using the full field felt really cool and really satisfying.
1: Yeah, I would say I expected us to just point our guns at each other and just blast until one of us was dead. I was editing and like, While I was going through, we went around the map like three times. Yes. Like, fully, I was in my deployment zone, then your deployment zone, then on the edge, and then we kept looping around. And it it really feels like the game emphasizes moving your mechs, not being stationary. Because, obviously, you're just easier to hit if you're not moving. Mm -hmm. You're easier to hit, you're easier to take damage. So, unless your mech is in a really good spot... You got to be fucking moving around. And we did. Holy shit! And what did you think about um, deployment and like the um, the obstacles
0: on the board? Specifically, placing the obstacles or the obstacles themselves while we were playing. Um. Both. Okay. Because um...
1: I I didn't actually see a, a rule for like placing obstacles in the rule set. We just had additional obstacles and we just did it kind of the way we do our motto where we alternate each obstacle and then that's kind of it
0: fair you know to answer your questions there as far as deployment i don't have a lot of feelings towards it it just seemed like we deployed in the fairest way possible right granted i feel like when we have more terrain there will probably be a bit more that goes into that deployment because i think yeah. that no matter where we deployed i feel like the game would have ended up the same way yeah pretty much more deploying more mechs more space mm-hmm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. just doing
1: a 1v1, it's like, well, I'll put my mech here. And you're like, oh, I'll put my mech here. And then it's like,
0: we're done. And then that's it. That was it. We're facing each other. That's what matters, right? So, as far as the obstacles and, you know, the setup of the game, um, again, like, there's just not much to say there. Um, You know, it, it did, like, we did do it, like, Armada, so it felt fair, which I think is important. There's not a whole lot of variety in the obstacles. There wasn't a lot of strategy in what I was doing other than being like, okay, well, this is a safe zone that I created, I guess. Not that it matters at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so there's not much to say there. Uh, really, a lot of my comments are going to come into the terrain during the game. And like I know it's just like simple, light and heavy terrain, but holy crap, that it affected what I was doing so much. And I feel like you know, playing games like Armada or playing games like X-Wing, I'm always like, okay, I want to avoid it right? I don't want to be anywhere near it. Best thing for me is maybe put it between me and an enemy, and then, but then we're both, you know, shooting with an obstruction. Like, whatever. That's all there is to it. But in this game, like, you're actually using it for cover, which is fucking cool. It doesn't give you a negative effect if you're standing in it. It just makes you harder to hit. And I thought that was super great. Uh, I'm excited to have different types of terrain and kind of see what some of the official rules are for them. Like, especially, like, you know, some of these buildings that we're going to be using the next one. Like, how how do those work? Are those just instant blocking? That'll be so fucking cool. Can you break them down? So the terrain, while simple, I think uh, adds a lot to the game.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. It's weird to have terrain and obstacles on the board that aren't expressly negative
0: Mm -hmm. you
1: know where it's like oh you want to stand here take a critical damage you know (laughs) like (laughs) crazy shit like that it's like after a while i'm like oh i don't want to be out in the open at all i want to be in the woods i want to be oh now my initiative has gone down let me back up into the woods so now i can't be hit and if they want to hit me they gotta come around the woods and then i'll get a shot off and so that was definitely strange and felt really
0: awesome actually i am so on board with that i I thought it was way cool try to think of anything else really to talk about for that battle report specifically uh, other than my headshot well well, i had one one thing when when you were talking about how we were moving around the board and how it's
1: different from armada that's actually one of the things i don't like about armada very much is especially when you get to a certain level and depending on what ship you're talking about like i'm not talking about cr90 when i'm saying Mm -hmm. this but like If there's an ISD going speed 2, I know exactly where it can be on turn 3 or 4, unless it obviously changes its speed. But some of the lower speed ships, man, you can really predict where your opponent's going to be, like down to a couple inches. Mm
0: -hmm. And there's
1: not much that they can do, barring navving every single round. And it's hard to get a
0: game where you move around the board so much. And with Armada, it's not only where they are to within a couple of inches, but what direction they're facing to within a couple yeah. of degrees. Like, because in this game, like even if it had nothing else, you could completely one eighty, and that's not a big fucking deal.
1: Yeah, that's that's something that I I feel is is really cool and interesting about this is not being able to predict to such an extent, and having to kind of make a tactical decision based on what you've done and respond to that instead of us setting up deployment i spend 10 minutes to measure all your ships with my range (laughs) ruler and then i'll just point on the board and be like he'll be there at turn four Mm -hmm. so i'll just i'll line up everything there and then that'll be it
0: absolutely and then yeah i mean i'm just going to talk about it that headshot super great felt super good (laughs) that that was
1: really my point where i'm like oh we're starting the game like this like i'm in fucking danger
0: (laughs) Uh, that really felt nasty i when i was watching i'm like hey jace watch this part because it was your reaction to (laughs) to that role (laughs) yeah (laughs) that felt fucking crazy but but i i like
1: that about the rolling aspect of it and the the surprise of it and not being able to say I'll just target your head every single round it's the oh I rolled a double six now I get to really put the danger on you Mm. and man I, I was sweating like once I I got that until we did a couple more shots and I was being more evasive and realizing how rare a shot like that is uh but I was lucky it didn't kill me outright and then we would just have like a when did you do that? Like, 10
0: it was minutes my first in? shot.
1: The first shot, yeah, it was.
0: Yeah, it was my first shot, and then I think I got one more, but it was very low damage. Yeah, yeah, it was like one damage, but that that was
1: fucking crazy.
0: Yeah, that was that was a high for me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, like, it pretty much sums up that game. Um, it was a pretty simple game, right? So there's not not too much to it, other than like those initial kind of uh, perspectives and feelings. So. Um, yeah, I would, I would just say to, like, sum it up, like, it's a pretty enjoyable
1: quick start rules. But, like, it feels very quick start that you can tell, like, even before we were finished. Like, if we weren't recording it and we were just playing, like, you and me 20 minutes in, I, w- I would have been like, all right, cool. Let's move on to the next step in the quick start rules. Let's add more
0: mechs. Oh, I would have told you to pull out the melee rules for sure. <laughs>
1: Well there are no melee
0: rules in the quick start stuff. There's nothing. Well I know, but to go find them.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I would I would I would kept going through the quick start rules, adding mechs and that, and then do the scenario before I was satisfied with adding stuff outside of it. But, but that's just me. But definitely like 10, 20 minutes in, you get the hang of it and you start doing things like really quick. Fair.
0: I think that's a good those, summary there. Th- those are all my
1: thoughts on it. I like the two D si- or the two D six system for it. It feels it's clean, clean. It it there's there's no room for guessing. You ask what you want to do. The answer is roll two D six and look at the chart, and that's what happens. I agree.
0: Um, next thing we want to talk about is going to be the golden rule. It was a little narrative sheet that came with the beginner box.
1: Yeah, it was just like a short little like story for it and this this is one of the things that we were talking about fuck i don't know if it was it, it was during the intro part of the, the battle report where we i just started rambling about why we were choosing to play and all that kind of stuff but i'm not familiar with the lore or setting of battletech very much at all unlike star wars where you know you and me have both been in Star Wars, like our whole lives. So it feels Mm -hmm. weird to go back and, you know, rewatch A New Hope and be like, what did you think of that movie? You know, and kind of break it down. I mean, I guess we could do that. if It would be interesting. I don't think it would be interesting, but. So yeah, this beginner's box, getting back on topic, came with this little short story, The Golden Rule, which is pretty much my first experience with, reading some kind of narrative Battletech media at all it was my first experience as well so let's talk about it
0: uh yeah so to kind of sum it up a little bit you know we had I think like two or three parts I would say like the first one was just kind of setting the stage a little bit um had like a mercenary meetup with some kind of mafia boss after that it kind of jumps to a little bit of starship travel Right. So that was kind of cool. Kind of like, again, setting the stage a little bit for where we're going to have this fight. Introducing, I think, like a couple of the characters in the Lance, I think is the right terminology for this. Yeah. Uh, During the fight, we find out that there might have been some double crossing going on. Uh, we're actually, instead of fighting just a group of, like, pirates or mercenaries or whatever was going on there, it's actually, like, one of the main factions. They may have actually been waiting for them and been tipped off, right? So, some again, some double crossing. Um, and then I think we finished a little bit weak, right? Like, you know, uh, the, I guess, main characters, you know, make it through the fight. One of the dudes is heavily injured. And then we kind of stop. So, definitely, like, it leaves you wanting more. You know, I'm used to like Warhammer books where like, oh, that character that you like so much and you respect, guess what? He's going to die. Uh, I don't think anyone that we knew or were introduced to, I should say, ended up dying in this story. Uh, Just like a major injury there. And then again, uh, I don't know. Have you read any of the Warhammer books specifically um, around like the Titans and the way that they fight?
1: Well, not only the Titans, but I haven't read any Warhammer book at all. So I'm, I'm going to fix that. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, so I, yeah. I've probably... The only piece of, like, Warhammer media I've directly consumed has been, like, some of those long-form YouTube videos where they just mm. kind of summarize. Because a lot of what I've heard, and you'll probably be correcting me once I'm done talking, is that a lot of what happens in Warhammer is, like, really setting-driven and almost weirdly stagnant except for a few very significant points in time. And there's not a, a like ongoing story arc to track, unless you're in one of those major points in time.
0: Um, yeah, I'd say that's mostly accurate. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, looking back at like the things that I've read and like reflecting, you know, one of them is like, okay, well, there's a fucking city and then Necrons are coming out of the city. Right. So the book starts with the city and the Necrons, you know, coming to life. And it ends with um, dying. them them nuking the planet. And, and yeah. you know, that's that's that, right? So you're, yeah, you're I, right. It is stagnant in that sense.
1: Yeah, I, I know that there are, like, particular points, like the Horus Heresy, where there's, like, a lot of stuff happening and a lot of books. But that's, like, 20 books. books. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, like, a significant period. But, anyway. Um, mm. So, yeah. So this book the golden rule i can't even call it a book it's like a small reader's digest yes story but it starts on and so just a disclaimer i could be really critical with shit like this even if it's like star wars stuff as some of you will remember from my kenobi review that we did a while ago um i didn't like a lot of this book i thought it was really it felt like a five-minute story but not in the way like you it takes five minutes to read it it felt like someone took five minutes to write it it was very shallow it was really shallow and also like weird like some of what the author like typed out i was like what why did you write it like that like um so for people who won't bother reading it it starts on this planet called asgard city of wotan in the Lyran commonwealth which is one of the major factions of BattleTech in 2990. So the main character is Durant Carlisle, the commander of the Second Lance for Colby's Commandos, which is the main good guys. I guess they're just like some kind of um, mercenary group. Yeah, I was gonna say they definitely. It felt like
0: they were just like a mercenary group.
1: Yeah, they're like we're in it for the money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We'll help people out, whatever. But like they go into this one bar called the world tree bar and i'm just like uh cringing at just the naming prospects of a lot of these things like we're on asgard well, what bar are we gonna go into <laughs> fuck, fuck it name it the world tree bar no one gives a shit <laughs> you know like yggdrasil was too on the notes for them and they like they like open the doors and he's like and you can hear the thumpa 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 of the music ah, I remember like like literally that. like when, when an author writes out an onomatopoeia instead of describing it well, it just makes my eyes roll so hard. <laughs> so yeah, apparently they meet with this guy who gives them this fucking spiel about how this, this capital city, Roe, is going to get destroyed by the, one of the rulers of another city, Dubois. And they get paid like fucking 800000 something i think they said secrets c-bills or, or something yeah that's what which, c-bills Sea bills which is like all right you want to call your money c-bills but then i i was like reading stuff to get like refreshed for the uh the podcast before we get started and that's not even layering commonwealth money i thought it was based on a. Uh... it's not their huh. their currency is kroner's
0: so now Maybe. I'm like, well, what are C bills? Is that like credit? I remember reading C bills somewhere else though, in reference to like a money value. I don't think they pulled that one out of a hat.
1: Well, again, yeah, because I don't know. Because Comstar has, because because each inner sphere area has their own fucking currency. Because I read this little, what was it called? The Instant Guide to the Inner Sphere, and they all I have like, their different currencies. And so I was like, well. Why are y'all getting paid in Comstar money
0: and not Lyran Commonwealth money? So I was like fucking confused about that. And I think they asked for it specifically too. It's not like they were offering that particular currency. Yeah, so I wonder what's going on with that.
1: Or if like, I don't know. It wasn't explained to me why they're getting paid in C-bills and not Kroners. Weird. Um, but they got 800,000 of it, which is nice. But then, yeah, as you were saying, it goes to the... Union-class dropship, Ragamuffin, which is another ridiculous name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, man.
1: I'm just like, you're naming a whole ship Ragamuffin?
0: Who gives a shit? I don't give a shit.
1: They didn't give a shit. Um, but then they go through the lances. So it's they've got two whole lances for this hit-and-run on a supply depot that they've got. And it goes through, like... You know, all the names of the people, they all get undressed, awkward exchanges.
0: I'm trying to, like, add anything, but it's, you're summarizing it very well just because there's not much else to it. I
1: will say, once the mechs hit the ground and they started writing about the mechs, I felt like that was the strongest point. It was the strongest point. Yeah, I agree. Any of the, like, interactions with... A human person or an interaction between two human persons was like awkward as fuck it was like uh, really weird like at the end they were like oh yeah and we've got all this gold and we'll be able to I don't know, make make the rules now or whatever they said the golden rule and then the, then the it was like either the the ship captain or the guy who'd just been injured was like yuppers i literally like threw my fucking phone and i was like it's so <laughs> stupid that's that, that's what i'll say it, it not that it was stupid it felt really fucking cheesy though and i don't know if they're trying to do that. like if that's just the kind of theme is to just like you know be badass with the mechs but everything else just keep it kind of light and cheesy it's
0: giving me starship trooper vibes
1: yeah kind of like a you know, keep things a little bit lighthearted some places, and the mechs you can, you know, ride it like a badass, or or whatever the fuck.
0: Well, let's talk Uh, about that
1: mech battle a little bit. Do you have something else? Yeah, well, I was just gonna say that it seems like they spent, like, so much time talking about what the name of the mech company meant, like the enemy mech company Death Guild. Mm -hmm. It really stuck out to me. I was like, is is that like such an important thing for their mech company? Like if we call ourselves the the blood badass rangers, like is that do we have to name ourselves that if we're actually blood badasses, you know? Is like And and at the end he was like talking about, oh well, you know, they're protecting all this gold, that's
0: why they call themselves the Death Guild, because geld for gold, blah blah blah. Mm. Yeah, they went out of their way to like parse out it, like you know, I'm not gonna say word by word, but like they split it up and like defined each thing. I remember that. So I thought that was interesting, but
1: I don't know. Maybe maybe that's like a consistent theme. I don't know.
0: Maybe there's part two. What would be cool is as we get these next boxes, there's like other little narrative sheets that follow along the same story. I think there is. Cause that would make a little bit more sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it, it definitely felt short and, Kind of like a throwaway, here's here's this kind of intro story. Which, I mean, it worked. We're talking about it. And I, I did get a lot of information just about, like, the setting and the things that can go on. Because, I mean, they, they had, like, I mean, at least the enemy. They had fucking 12 mechs on that planet. That seems like a fucking lot.
0: And they wrecked them with, like, four, it seemed. <laughs> well, so... Let, well, let's talk about the battle. So they, yeah, they arrive at the, de- the depot. It was, what, Carlisle and fucking... Dude, you're pulling receipts. Yeah, the uh, names for me, I, that's kind of a, a bit more detailed than I remember. I usually kind of have to read a couple of chapters until I start remembering names. <laughs> well, because... Well, well, anyway, so it was Hoptman. So Carlisle and Hoptman,
1: they're, they're the two Hawk pilots for each of the yeah. lances, the so first and second lance. And so there are the recons, so they forward deploy, start shooting up the depot, and it turns out that there's only, it's like empty, two mechs in there, yeah, there's two, there's a Whitworth and a Panther, which are like, Drek mechs, they called
0: them. Mm -hmm. And then they roast them.
1: They fucking roast them, obviously, there's nobody in them, they just fucking light them up, but there's supposed to be total of 12.
0: Yep, and that's when they pick up like a heat signature, right? Like some of the they scouts. pick up a heat
1: signature where there's this huge fucking mobile mining refinery from vickers Mining,
0: which I thought was really cool,
1: really cool. I, I, I love getting, like, like huge vibes. scale shit like that. So Carlisle goes to investigate this mining refinery thing. It's like a big fucking robot miner. Mm-hmm. He runs into a dragon, which would be the third mech, and then. After a short engagement, the mechs that show up is a second dragon, which they, they also made another point that, like, the Draconis Combine has, like, a near monopoly on
0: dragons. Yes. So he, like, saw a dragon. He was like, oh, yep, yeah, it's the Draconis Combine. We know. And then I think at this point, they they notice, like, an emblem on the mining machine as well. Yeah, for for Vickers mining. Um, I... Maybe I, I'm misremembering, but I thought that they also saw like a Dracona symbol on the on, on the mining thing. Maybe, but anyway,
1: so there's two dragons, thunderbolt, and a wolverine. Mm-hmm. So there's five mechs that they're they're fucking fighting. The two that they killed, so that's seven, and so I'm just extrapolating from incomplete information. That means that three mechs went to go destroy the city because um, they they were able to pick up the one of the pilots of the dragon after the battle and bring Mm -hmm. him back. And he told them that all the rest of the mechs are stomping on the city. So from that, we can easily say that if you have three mechs, you can fucking destroy an
0: entire city. Which is interesting because uh, I think that like the lore specifically says these aren't giant mechs. Like they're like maybe 30 meters at most. How big did they say they were?
1: Um, 7 to 16 meters, 20 to 100 tons. So like, yeah, they're not, they're
0: not, they're not fucking, huge things.
1: They're not Gundams, is the point. Yes,
0: very much. Because Gun, so. Gundams are fucking massive. Almost outrageously so. It's like pretty equivalent to like a knight um, in Warhammer, I would say.
1: Really? I I'm thought not... the knights were fucking obscenely massive.
0: I mean, or maybe again, it's, I could be it's just the difference in scale perhaps and it, warhammer I, I think tends to contradict itself sometimes but <laughs> yeah, you know, definitely not a titan definitely not a gundam yeah
1: it, it, they're not like skyscraper sized or or even very large building size they're they're just large like military vehicles yes but it seems like they're extremely powerful If three can destroy all fucking city. But I don't...
0: They didn't really talk about how big the city was. It could have been a bunch of fucking tents for all I know. Good point. But, I mean, they made it seem super important. So I would imagine it was a little bit more than that. But, um, yeah. So, you know, engaging this battle, not a lot happens, right? They just kind of trade fire with these guys. Maybe take one or two out. Because, like, the support starts, like, kind of backing them up a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think they, they destroyed the... The Thunderbolt, mm-hmm. and they crippled both of the dragons, and I think Colby's Wolverine was destroyed as well, and that's why he got all fucked up. Yeah, it got it's, like burned. It's Colby, Colby's commander or commandos, so he's like the leader. So their leader got fucked up, but didn't die. Apparently, seems fine. They made it seem like he died, so they're like the Thunderbolt was destroyed, wasn't moving, and so was the, our Wolverine. Blah blah blah,
0: and then they're like, now he's good. he's He's got some burns so and and for me that's kind of where like and again i think i'm just spoiled by warhammer but they could have done so much more emotionally with that right like kill the commander we didn't really know him that well anyway promote someone else that'll be super cool
1: yeah Mm. i agree i i definitely was like oh the fucking leader guy's dead but maybe they'll they'll do that in like another book this was only like fucking 13 pages or something It, it wasn't that long so yeah it's like hard to judge it even, even if they did kill him i would be like okay i don't care you killed the guy i was
0: introduced to four pages ago i don't give a shit <laughs> i think it would yeah. have added a little bit of weight right because they didn't lose anyone if anything they ended up with now parts to repair their other robot
1: yeah and and they like stole like 250 million dollars in gold or something oh yeah oh, they found sorry, lots of gold bars singles. yeah they found all that gold which also i was confused on like he was like i like a mech with hands he just i just grabbed some i just opened their their fucking piggy bank and just grabbed some (laughs) 250 million dollars worth of gold i'm like oh okay maybe maybe explain that next time i I don't know
0: they they probably were just like fuck it write a 10-page short story yeah in the context of like ash 10 page short story not, not even a short story like a very very short story like it, it's fine I mean this could have been on the back of a cereal box for sure it but could have I'm, been I'm struggling to, to
1: come up with shit to talk about for this one because it was very thin
0: there's not that much you know I, I think we summed it up really well you know we kind of give our thoughts on it a little bit well, uh,
1: some, of, some of the points in the short story and really I'm just kind of parsing this for like information on the setting and you know what kinds of things can happen in these stories and the kinds of things that they will put as kind of throwaway lines but really lead to these kinds of things are normal in this setting and one of the things that i liked was that carlisle shadowhawk is like two centuries old Mm -hmm. and there's this kind of precedent that there are these warrior families that will have one mech that their whole family will support. They pass it down. You know, repair, and then they'll pass it down through the family. So, I can just assume that Carlisle has probably a huge amount of support from his family to, you know, keep this Shadowhawk in good repair and condition, and that if he dies, it's likely that his Shadowhawk will be taken, obviously he'll be dead, and repaired and refurbished, and then passed on to another person in the Carlisle
0: family. So that's actually it. uh, You explaining that helps me out a little bit, because I was like, how is this dude just taking on... Because for a moment he was taking on like maybe two or three of these different mechs. So it kind of stands to reason, perhaps, that his mech is just really fucking good, right? It's like one of the older... You know, again, well-maintained mechs, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the lore is, you know, the older the mech is, um, the higher technology level they were likely at when they built it, as opposed to if these mechs were newer, they're probably like some trash things uh, with like slow response time. So that kind of helps me a little bit because I was a little bit uh, perturbed just by how easily he was kind of fending for himself when he was alone.
1: Yeah. And and the technology thing is another point that they talked about because he, when he was getting in, he like put this neural helmet on. And it was talking about how, oh, back in the day, you could just put the helmet on and pilot the whole thing. Just just with the helmet, just with your thoughts. But now it's like everything's kind of degraded. Really, it just tells you, you know, information regarding the balance and the attitude of your mech. So it's just kind of like feeding you, I guess, supplemental information into your
0: mind and not really. Not only that, what it did is it, it used your balance to balance the mech. Really, is what it said.
1: I didn't know it was the pilot's balance, so I guess, yeah, because like, in my mind, they're they like sitting in like a pilot, like a jet fighter seat, and it's just feeding them data based on the mech so that they can change like their controls. Because it said he used like a pedal, yeah, to, to, to move the mech, so I'm, I'm just assuming it's sitting,
0: yeah, so so he uh, that, that's all correct, uh, like he. Basically his mech was a mixture of, you know, having that slight neural connection to where the mech, you know, used his inner ear to balance the mech, you know, as it was walking and stuff like oh, that. As, oh okay. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, strictly having to make all of those inputs manually with like a stick or with pedals. Oh, um that it, makes it, sense. Yeah, it kind of it, it was like a fifty-fifty, not one hundred percent through like the mind thing. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. It and was, also
1: there was this um exchange like as he was getting in he kind of had this like or he talked about this rapport that mech warriors will have with their mech crew chief you know the people that like will maintain and keep the mech like up to date and repaired oh yeah that that whole bit about owing him money so that he comes back to pay it yeah you you owe the crew chief like a small amount of money so you owe them so that you know you have kind of have this thing not lording over you, but you you kind of need to come back to to pay your crew chief. So it's just this kind of like ancient routine of owing them money. So you you don't say, Oh, I'm just going out there to fucking sacrifice myself and die. You know, you
0: kind of have something to come back to, which I thought was cool. I think that was my favorite bit of lore building uh, from that little, that little book. Yeah. I, I felt like this part
1: was, well, this short story was the best when they were talking about those kinds of like, you know how the battle mechs are passed down in the warrior families, you know, all all the little setting things I liked the most. And anytime any of the characters were talking, I was like, I don't want any of this.
0: <laughs> just give me the terrible.
1: Just give me the fucking take all that out and just talk about the setting. Yeah,
0: I agree. And then it just ends with them flying away with a bunch of gold, right?
1: Yeah, they they want all the gold. Yuppers. Yuppers. <laughs> Fuck.
0: <laughs> let's not make that a habit yuppers you
1: don't like yuppers mm-hmm. i fucking like i was because because i was reading it on my phone i fucking threw that thing i, I get so annoyed when just little uh, what's what's the right word for it just like lazy shit like you couldn't come up with anything other than yuppers
0: it, to me it's on the same boat as what's your malfunction rico it's in the same fucking boat and it's just fucking satire. Uh no, not even just satire. It's just poor choice of words. My God. <laughs> yeah.
1: But maybe, maybe that's kind of the point. Maybe like we get into reading the more of these, and it's just supposed to be a little reprieve, just like a little bit of
0: silliness. And be like, eh, the fucking. So we're gonna read this and find out that what they're twelve. Like <laughs> no, no, <laughs>
1: not that they're twelve. Just. Uh, just a little bit of satirical, lightheartedness, maybe a little goofiness. I don't know. That's the way I'm going to interpret it. That they're just being intentionally goofy. I I definitely liked um, the stuff at the end when they were like, they had some pictures of like the drop ship, you know, and that 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 kind of helps frame how large things are because. I, I did like, like that. It, it it looked like um. And I was talking about this uh, on the battle report intro is like, that union class dropship looks like something made in the '80s. Mm. Not like, oh, in you know, 1980, this union class dropship was made like in the story. I mean, like when the story was made in the '80s, like those kinds of ship designs were considered considered futuristic. Yeah. yeah, considered futuristic and everything.
0: So, like, for me, like, a really important part of, like, you know, tank battle books or, like, you know, mech battle books is, like, being able to visualize those mechs. I'm mm-hmm. um, so pretty sure I had, like, some little little pictures of, like, what some of those mechs looked like. I think I had to look up, like, the Wolverine or one of the ones that didn't include. Uh, but it yeah. was nice to kind of have that reference, you know, just for my, like, headcanon. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I totally agree, especially with, with shit, like, I, I've never seen before and I don't have any reference, like... I don't do it very much now, like, if I'm reading a Star Wars book, because I, you know, will know you what, know what the aliens like. look like and everything, but that was definitely something I did when I was reading. I found myself doing this a lot when I was trying to read the High Republic book, because mm-hmm. they had a lot of, you know, ship classes, station classes, and, and aliens I'd never heard of before, and I was like, what the fuck does this person look like? And pull him up on my phone and all that kind of shit. So I, I definitely agree with you that knowing what shit looks like, especially when they're not described well, or at all. At all. Yeah. They were just like, oh, this is a fucking, this is a locust. This, you not know what that looks like? I'm not going to describe it being a little fucking jet cockpit on spindly legs. Chicken leg walker. Yeah. Yeah, chicken leg walker. But I appreciate that they, they added this little short story, even though I kind of, I'm not lambasting it for being awful, but... I mean, if I wasn't reading it with a purpose of, you know, talking about it on the podcast, like I would have, I would have stopped at the first page. It definitely <laughs> was not interesting.
0: Uh, no, they started off really weak with that whole bar situation, but like, I knew there was going to be a mech battle in it, or at least I was hoping. Right? It would have been weird yeah. if they didn't have it. Uh, so that that's what kept me through it. It would be fuck. Can, can you
1: imagine how weird it would be if it was just like it opens up and it's just like a political drama?
0: Jesus, and there's no mech battle in it. Ends with like the dude putting on the helmet. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would I would be like, what the
1: fuck are they doing? But yeah, I I also kind of expected a little mech battle, and it it turned out exactly the way I thought it would. This ends with nothing really happening.
0: Yeah, there was like no movement in. I mean, I don't even know there was a plot to that, right? Like, I think it was just introducing you to some things um giving you a little bit of the taste of the fight letting you know there's some kind of intrigue in the background but i don't even know the significance
1: of the main character like is durant carlisle is he like an important character i don't know like maybe we just read like an intro side story comparable to like luke skywalker and i'm just like i don't know do I? am i supposed to give a fuck about carlisle like who (laughs) who knows i don't know
0: i I think it's always nice when it's Someone that you shouldn't give a fuck about, but ends up doing something cool, right? Yeah, it's not like oh, this guy is great. It's eventually this guy becomes great.
1: Yeah, that would be nice if it, if it, if they were all like recurring characters. I mean, they they definitely mm-hmm. spelt, spent some time, you know, establishing like the Lances. Like I I know who each pilot is for each mech for both of the Lances for Colby's Commandos. So. Mm-hmm hopefully they're like recurring characters and I didn't just, you know, remember that for nothing, <laughs> remember all these characters for nothing and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, fair.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what's in the next box. Me too. Same. Me too. Fair enough. Uh, any final statements before we uh, wrap this up?
1: No, I think, I think that was pretty good. I, I'm Same. definitely enjoying this.
0: BattleTech excursion it's it's refreshing if nothing else. Yeah. Hopefully the cuz cuz now
1: I mean, we were talking about the rules and everything, but like once we got through the rules, I was definitely wanting more complexity. So I would have to like just talking about beginner rule sets like rate the beginner rule set like really highly because it it took all the fat off of what I understood to be an extremely complex game and just gave you the bare bones of it.
0: I would say that if Armada had something like this as their core thing, there would be more Armada players. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, I don't
1: even know what you would take from Armada though. Um, I would say that Armada's main core set, the empire and rebel one is the weakest part of Armada. Okay. That's fair. Like it's, I can't I can't even recommend someone pick up that core set. Like I I would try to initially steer someone towards like the rebel, or not the rebel, the the republic or the separatist one first, because it's just such a better experience. Because I mean, someone's trying to get in the game. They come in, They come up to you. They're like, oh, that game's cool. I want to get into it. Oh oh yeah. Go spend ninety dollars. <laughs> Buy okay, this nice. core set. You'll play with. I mean, if you want to play Empire, you'll have one ship. Well, how is that good for a fleet? How many more ships do I need? I oh, need about a four lot. or five. Yep. Uh, extra ships before you can even play a full game. But I mean, with the Clone Wars starter sets, it's like buy this one and then choose one other ship. And yeah, and you're there. Maybe maybe a fighter pack, but you don't don't really need one. It just takes so much longer for someone to build up a
0: fleet. Well, for me, it's just I feel like the Armada rules, even like the base rules, there's still a lot of fat, I think, that could be trimmed off when you're introducing a new player to it. Whereas, you know, the main thing here is like this was very streamlined. Like I read the rulebook once or twice, like tops, right? And mm-hmm. then I played the game and within 10 minutes of playing the game, like I have it, like I got it. Yeah, I agree. We we didn't need the Gators sheet after how many attacks? Like four, right? Like, uh, that's not the case for Armada. Like, even today, you know, we're still um, picking up that rulebook. And that's not just because of, like, new things that they've added. It's just because there's so many other aspects. And those are aspects that are introduced on your first game. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. So, I I think it's kind of a hard thing for a new player. But also, like... I love
1: the fucking tables. The tables are so good. You got a table for like every aspect of the rules. So you don't even need to like flip through the rulebook. You just put all the tables in front of you and you're like, oh yeah. What's the fucking attack modifiers? Oh, it's right there. You don't even have to go through the whole fucking rulebook after you read it a couple times. It's
0: all on the back page. It's so good.
1: So I I definitely like that. And also, speaking of how how much it takes to get a full, like, army or fleet or setup or lance or whatever. Like, if we, we could probably just download the full rule set, use the extra cardboard pieces, and there, boom, you're done. You got a full mm-hmm. set. Yeah. Just from the beginner's box. You don't actually need to go and buy all the plastic pieces. I think in uh, the major rule set, it's like, they're just representative game pieces like you can use a bottle cap draw an arrow on it to denote like what the front face
0: is and then that's it yeah because like the actual piece
1: doesn't matter that's not the case with armada there's so many different arcs and you know line of sight dots and you need cardboard piece for the kind of ship you're flying mm-hmm. different base sizes it's like so fucking complicated mm-hmm. yeah, but I don't know. we're still just like, playing with the beginner's rules like watch we'll play with the full rule set and we're like fuck This is so
0: terrifying. I mean, I I think like when we have that first game, you know, we'll spend the first half of it like situating ourselves. But again, I just think you know with the two d six system, it's just so clean. Like yeah, it feels. I I don't see it being any more complicated other than like us being slightly restricted in the things that we can do. Um, you know, because like heat and like things like that. So.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. Um. So. As always, thanks for listening to this episode of Brace for Impact podcast. You can check out our battle reports and other video content on our YouTube channel. And if you would like, you can support future content and get early access to videos and podcasts on our Patreon. We'll see you next time.
1: Cha-ching.